This podcast contains material that is intended for mature audiences and may not be suitable for all listeners. Enjoy. I've peed three times during this podcast, so I don't know what your guys' problem is. What are you, a trucker? (laughs) I don't want to get on the bandwagon. I'll burn that wagon down and join the band. Traveling troubadours terrorizing street corners just to try to get some supper in our hands. Now I waited all my life to get this off my chest screen, buddy murder until someone understands that it ain't about the money, the drugs, or the women. I make this noise just because I can. And we'll all join in to that original sin. So let's get rowdy and reckless. Let's get rowdy and reckless. Let's get rowdy and reckless. Just for the hell of it. Just for the hell of it. Hello and welcome to another edition of Old Man Strength, a podcast of the Tailgate Society. Please check us out on the web at thetailgatesociety.com. I am Tim Johnson, joined as always by a man who has apparently checked out from 1989 to 1997, uh, <laughs> Mr. Chris Shipley. Chris, how are we doing this evening? Well, I, I, I see how this is going to go. Crashing <laughs> me. It was a terrible Twitter day anyways. I, I don't know what you two you and your friends do all day long but i was trying to work uh so today was a cleaning day which means that you get things cleaning in a, in a tank and then they have to cycle for 30 minutes so it's not like i can do anything else with that tank so i had 30 minutes to just rip on you on twitter which uh i took advantage of fully uh for sure and and it was i suppose warranted <laughs> you According to the last week's poll, I'm I, I was eighty percent in the wrong. So eighty <laughs> percent in the wrong, or twenty percent of your your uh, your followers are also just as clueless as you are. Um, uh, <laughs> if you guys don't know what we're talking about, please go ahead and check out our last episode. We get into a little bit of rant about the '90s, right? the sweet spot where Chris is a 20 year old who should know exactly what was going on in the world of music. Uh, but apparently uh, was in I some mean, sort of think? like camp out in the middle of nowhere. I, like you got abducted by aliens and spent it on another planet. I don't know what it was, but you missed maybe the most pivotal year in all of rock history, at least within the last 30 years. Um, so uh, i it explains a lot. Uh, I'll I'll just leave it there. Uh, <laughs> um, but that is not what we are talking about today. Although I I still feel like I'll probably throw in a few more references here and there. Uh, but we do have some very special guests with us today. So Chris, I will go ahead and let you uh, introduce our guest for this evening. We do. Uh, I uh, am super excited to bring on probably two of the most passionate fans from Iowa State and Iowa that I know uh, and have followed on Twitter. So without further ado, I will give them their names and I'll let them do the introductions. But uh, representing the University of Iowa Hawkeyes is my very good friend, Bill Blank, local Des Moines comedian here. I, local Des Moines comedian here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little redundant, Chris. We're off to a slow start. We are. No. Uh, Thank you for having me, man. Uh, yeah, I'm a stand-up comic. Uh, 
I've had a very interesting year and a half. Uh, and uh, I'm excited to do this. I, I'm, I'm sure that I'm like your stereotype, like Iowa State fans. Luckily, the the video isn't going because <laughs> I am I what know. every Iowa State fan thinks we are. I I, I don't know. I I see like a, a decent set of teeth, so I think that's already <laughs> that uh, helps. And one, but here's the thing. <laughs> one thing I will admit: at least Hawkeye fans have the balls to walk into enemy territory. There you go. I mean, I'm, I got three on one today. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I appreciate that. Um, Sometimes you pay double for that, Bill. <laughs> yeah, but not by you, sir. Uh, our other I had to guy. buy a fucking T-shirt to get on this thing. <laughs> oh, That's can we great. say? Can we say fuck? I was going to ask that before we. Started. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh, we yeah, just yeah. found out. <laughs> uh. That intelligent uh, voice that just spoke is uh, <laughs> none other than Megatron uh, from Twitter. Meg, uh, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk football. Yeah. Well, that's where we're going to go with it, right? August training camp started this week. Summer camp started this week. So what I thought we'd do is uh, we'll let ladies go first. Uh Meg, tell us a little bit about yourself first, what you do and, and if you're comfortable with it, and, and uh, tell us a little bit about who Meg is on Twitter. <laughs> okay, well. Or in real um, life. <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly, it's one and the same for the most part, uh, other than I, th my name is not actually Megatron. I know that's going to come as a surprise to a lot of people, but that's not my actual name. <laughs> Megatron was trending on Twitter the other day and for a split second. I was like, holy cow, she's getting really popular. Uh, and then I realized, uh, oh, yeah, no, the oh, other Megatron. not that Megatron. Someone, I said something about um, my son going to Iowa State. Like, he just has accepted his offer to go. And um, someone tweeted at me and they were really mad because they thought, it was the football player son <laughs> going to Iowa State, and it's my son. So, but you know what? He's pretty great too. Anyway, um, so I uh, live just right outside of Ames, and I am a first grade teacher at a little rural school here in central Iowa. And um, yeah, I have, I've been married for, let's see, next month will be 19 years. And I have two kids. I have a son who is going to be a senior this year and a daughter that will be a sophomore. And um, while I don't know that I've been a lifelong passionate Iowa State fan, um, I've made up for lost time for sure. <laughs> In the last, you know, since I was a student there. Um, I went to Iowa State in 2000 and graduated in 2004. Um, so yeah. That's kind of the the rundown. See, Chris, some people do do it only in four years. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, it was four and a half, but I had a baby while I was there, so <laughs> I took I a not. semester off to have a have a kid. So again, stereotype. I didn't go to Iowa. Wow. Oh, no. I bet you guys had no idea that was coming. <laughs> I didn't want to ask. I'm glad yeah. you just said it. I buy all my gear at Walmart too. Eat a dick, all of you. No, I, no, that's fantastic. I'm sure that the Kirkwood Community College uh, alumni events are. I didn't even popping. go there. <laughs> 
I went to uh, I went to Marshalltown Community College to play baseball, and uh, after my first year, they dropped the program. Boy, you were and, that bad, huh? Uh, well, it wasn't that we were that bad. We were kind of middle of the road. It was more so nobody cared. Oh, I just meant you. Like you were. Oh, so oh bad, yeah, I yeah. shut them down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was the worst third baseman in the history of the two-year school. But yeah, no, and and it was. I realized kind of right away that that was as far as it was going. I mean, I played, but you know, I mean, there were like twenty-five-year-old Puerto Ricans playing for Kirkwood, and I I knew I didn't have a prayer basically at that point, <laughs> and. uh so yeah, no, I never went to. I started. Te- I started telling jokes. I came home and went to DMAC for a while, and then I started telling jokes, and that was it. Like I just fully committed at twenty-one. So yeah, I'm from the school of hard knocks. <laughs> and I went to Iowa State. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bill, where did uh, so then? Let's talk about what. What brought you to the beast of Iowa and, and, and fandom? Well, obviously, no, the number one thing for any of us that are fans of any of either one of these teams, we don't have professional sports here. I mean, we grew up as kids rooting for Iowa or Iowa State and some people, Drake and you and I and stuff. But, like, you know, we're the two big ones, obviously. Um, and my grandparents had season tickets – my entire life. Mm-hmm. So I've been going to Iowa football games since I was like seven. Um, and I still look at it through that lens. Sometimes it's one of the most pathetic things in the world. <laughs> like I still, cause my, my grandparents sat in the front row on the 10 yard line and we would always go in way early when they were warming up. So the players would be right there, you know, and they'd be coming up and it was just amazing to sit in those seats all those years. And now I sit in the front row in one of the end zones. So I'm on like TV all the time and stuff. And back in the day, we would be on TV, you know, in my grandparents' seats. So it's just kind of a big, long. Um, so I just grew up that way. And I, I still, I mean, I can still be in the front row and they'll score a touchdown like right in my lap. And I'm still amazed. Like I look up to them like I'm still seven and I'm 43 <laughs> years old. I'm, I'm pathetic. I think that's very sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I, you know, I envy them on, on such a level, you know, you, when you, it's no different than growing up, you know, if if you lived in Dallas and you grew up a cowboy fan, you know, and, and you went to those games and you grew up looking up to those players and that kind of just really never, if you never achieve that level of anything, it never really goes away. You still look up to them because now you know how hard it is to even be a division one athlete period and how gifted you have to be. And so it's just like, now you still just kind of look at him that way. Like when I, when I took my son to his first game, I, w- I was on the edge of tears the entire game. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as I found out he was going to be a boy, the f- two things, one, I can't wait to play catch with him when he can actually catch and throw. And then two, I can't wait to take him to his first soccer game. And so, yeah, I mean like that whole day I was on the edge of tears. So like, it's just been so bred so deep into me my whole childhood that it just never it just never went away and the passion never went away as i got older i got even worse like i just turned into a lunatic 
<laughs> I mean, my my twenties, my 20s in Kinnick Stadium, I I don't I'm not proud of. Not even a little bit. <laughs> no, I no, I, 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 I get it. I you know, I I certainly in my late twenties in particular, I probably got overly invested. You know, a lot of those you live and die by how Saturday afternoon goes. Uh, yeah, and at what point do you grow up enough to not put all this emotion into 19 and 20 year old kids? Yeah. I'll let yeah. you know when I stop doing it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like how, when do you ever grow up enough to realize it's just, it's, and for us as Iowa and Iowa State fans both, it's more pain than anything else most of the time when you invest that much. But the beauty of it is when the great things happen, nobody's happier than we are. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. But yeah, it is, it is definitely uh, a little, I mean, well, shoot, like we've had Brent Gervais on, we've had Marcus Pfizer on, you know, it's, it's been 20 years since we watched Marcus play at, at Iowa state. And, you know, some of these guys, they're younger than me and they're already, you know, retired from their sport and listening to Marcus Pfizer talking about driving a minivan and being a regular guy. And there's still just a part where, where Chris and I probably fanned out more. Uh, yeah. 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 Little yeah. boys. For sure. Yeah. It's weird, man. I even, and I, I actually sometimes find myself doing that with Iowa state guys. Like, uh, just because there's lore there, you know, like I was doing radio with Ross and Chris and, and Seneca Wallace was on. And so I'm sitting across from Seneca Wallace, you know, and you can't help, but you understand who that is. Yeah. And, right. And what he mean meant to you guys, you know what I mean? Like you understand what that, who's in front of you and you can't help but respect it, you know? Yeah. I well, mean, I, I, a few years ago I was in an event, uh, and, and, uh, Fred Hoiberg was there, and the whole time I just kind of looked at him and stared, and and you know got lost in his dreamy face. And and I, you know, I at one point he said something to the people that I was with, and I think I responded with, <laughs> <laughs> "I've played twenty one with Fred Hoiberg." Oh, nice. Yeah, when I uh, I don't know, I I graduated from North High, mm-hmm. and uh, so I'm actually really good friends with Hurl Beecham. Oh, sure. Who obviously played for Iowa State uh, with Fred Hoiberg and Lauren Meyer and all those guys. So, yeah, I I was like 14 years old playing in driveways with those guys. It was amazing. Hoiberg threw my shot into the street. I do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Meg, you've you've been around <clears throat> quite a bit, uh, some of those guys, because it seems like every, every season we see some pictures pop up of old photos of you with – I Meg is kind of like the Forrest Gump of of Iowa State players. I think. Like, <laughs> is that a compliment? I feel like I, I was going to say, "Wow, that was bad." And and that's how Visha got canceled. <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> no, I've been I've been lucky to be um, in the right place at the right time. Sometimes. Um, you know, going to um, Big 12 tournaments in Kansas City and then, um, you know, sort of greeting the teams. We've been lucky. Well, and maybe luck is the wrong word, but um, we just go down if they play in the final. And so we've been there for the last, you know, the three times that they've won in the last however many years. 
Um, and then, you, you know, just kind of go stop and grab a couple cases of beer and then go wait for them in the hotel lobby to come back. And there's a big um, procession. And um, so then you're able to snag a lot of pictures with people. I have some pictures with Steve Prohm's mom <laughs> from different years. She was That's called teacher. stalking in some states. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. She was a teacher. So we talked to her for order. a long time. She's really nice. She's very sweet. Um, and so just, yeah, we just kind of, I feel like I run into people at tailgates. Um, and then Size House of Trivia is a really fun event that um, is held in Hilton. It hasn't been obviously with COVID for the last couple of years, but um, they always have uh, celebrity guests that are coaches and players and, you know, from all walks that come in and um, wander the tables and hang out and do photo opportunities and things. So, yeah. That's I've, a pretty hot ticket to get because I've, I've tried. It, it, it is. It's a, it's a hard one. And I, yeah, I've been just kind of been fortunate that um, we, someone asked me to be on their team several years ago. They got in in the lottery and then a table opened up and they were able to, you know, have like a permanent team. So um, I hope it comes back. I miss it. It's, it, it's very fun. I think we all miss uh, a lot of those things The you know, just the, the tailgate tours and, you know, Iowa coming to, to Valley Stadium and just practicing here and, and even the fan fest that Iowa State did and, and, and with that practice that I would do where you could go and, and, and get autographs and meet the players and whatever, which I, to be honest with you now with name, image and likeness, I don't even know if that's going to be something that they yeah, would it's do. It's going to cost you money now. Right. Which is I'm fine. I'm okay with that. I'm totally yep, okay absolutely. with that. Yeah. I, it, it actually makes me feel a little extra pathetic because now my, my son's like 19. So it's not like yeah, I can have yeah. a kid in tow with me like, hey, just settles. <laughs> you know what I mean? Look how cute. Yeah. Look, my son wants an autograph. Weird. His name's Billy, too. Uh, I would like, always uh, I would always use the ruse of the Knights uh, of the Knights uh, charity that I would do. I would take a ball up and get it signed for an auction. But it's weird. I just happen to have another ball here that would be at sign that would not show up at the auction and would actually be in my house. <laughs> That's a good move. That's a good move. Uh, it's very Christian. Yeah, um, no, I, I, I love how you're you're uh, you're scamming with the charity, Chris. I, I think it's right. not scamming. <laughs> it is if you sell the ball. It's a little scammy. Then <laughs> uh, I'm going to hell. It's like borderline. I'm going to yeah. No, man, you're Christian. All you got to do is say you're sorry. You'll oh, be fine. A, he, he's Catholic, so there's a lot of gray. Yeah. There. All you got to do, all you got to do is, all you got to do is tell <laughs> the last second. I, you probably already did it then. If you're cat, you, you probably already went to confession and said, yeah, I had this other ball signed. I'm I start a, and father goes, you know what? Just, just go. <laughs> Here's your penance. It's going to give you the maximum amount of Hail Marys. Right. Chris goes into the confession. You just extra, hear the father go. Like, <sighs> <sighs> yeah. And I get a few extra because it's going to be a rough week coming up here, Father. <laughs> Look, I only got an hour. The altar boys get here in like oh, an oh, hour no. and 15 minutes. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you had me on, dummy. <laughs> no, that's that's fair. That's 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 on you, Chris. <laughs> um <laughs> I, yeah, no. I, so like my story, I've been a cycling fan all my life. My, both my parents went to Iowa state. So I, you know, my dad used to tell me 
all the time. You can go to anywhere you want. You can go to any college you want. Iowa State has multiple colleges. Um, <laughs> I, so I grew up, but I grew up, you know, a half hour from Iowa City. All of my friends were Hawkeye fans. I, you know, did the Hawkeye basketball camp. Probably, I probably went to Kinnick and Carver before I made it to, to Hilton and at the time Cyclone Stadium. Um, I, probably before I made it, you know, before I, I had that, but I usually always wore an Iowa State hat or shirt as a little kid, um, which probably, you know, Looking Get back on it, and- well, as I was say, looking back on it, I was I was being a <laughs> troll, but but for me, it was like, hey, you strangers are booing a little kid, uh, and I was just, you know, hey, look at me, I like sports, uh, right, right, you know, because like you know, you go to a, a ge- nothing drives me more than saying this is a tangent, but you go to like a, I live up here in Minneapolis, and you go to a Twins game, and it it'll be like a Twins White Sox game, and there's a guy there wearing. A White Cardinals Sox, uh, jersey, oh. and you're like, well, what the hell is that about? Like, oh, hey, I like baseball, but then you like sometimes there'll be a guy there wearing like, um, a Patriots jersey, and it's and he's just saying, hey, I like sports, that's why I'm here because I'm a sports person. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't, I don't care about either one of these teams. I'm at a major league baseball game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you know, I, I suppose looking back on it, I was probably being a troll, but to me, it was just the Iowa State hat that I wore every single time. Yeah, you're you weren't being a troll. You're just wearing the thing that you wore all the time. Oh well, yeah, but Iowa fans certainly thought I was a troll. Um, of course they did. But you're walking through <laughs> fucking tailgate parties. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, come yeah, on. I, I, I've I've been in Ames with Iowa stuff on plenty of times. I get the same shit. It just depends on where you're at, where you're walking, who's had enough to drink and who hasn't. Like Yeah, but but were you most an 8-year-old were you an 8-year-old cool. boy? In Tim's defense. <laughs> you're right. Only Hawkeye fans have ever booed an 8-year-old boy. Just that we are such pieces of shit. You heard it, you heard it here first. I'm really glad that we got this confession right out of the way. That yeah, that, that I took mean, a lot less than I thought it was going. I'm glad to be. I didn't have early. to say it. It's not like we run around. <laughs> it's not like we run around as former football players and beat up the point guard. That was that's gross. But none of the three of us didn't do that. Yeah, no, we didn't. No. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You don't treat. You know what I'm saying? Like, of course, of course, you got some booze. Like, I remember, I remember being a Hawkeye fan in Iowa City, like tailgating with my grandparents, and like I'd always have a friend with me, and we would be like, we'd have a Nerf football, we'd be kicking around, and and the ball would every once in a while roll into somebody's tailgate, you know, like nothing mm-hmm. harmful, just in the way for a second, and. Hawkeye fans start yelling at us, telling us we suck. <laughs> the ball comes over there again. They're going to punt it out of the stadium. Like, I mean, they were assholes. We're little kids and they're drunk idiots. I That's mean, never happened in an Iowa State tailgate. I'm sure it hasn't. <laughs> Everyone's very sure kind. I mean, I, I I don't know of a single documented <laughs> case. So I, as Iowa far game. as I know, that's settled. That's that's just settled science. Um, well, then never mind. I actually don't think that you ever got booed as an eight-year-old. I think this is fake news. I think you're making this up. It's totally unsubstantiated. Unsubstantiated. Sorry. Uh, no, no, that was that was good. You almost got words out. It was nice. Yeah, it was close. <laughs> I, I told, hey, I didn't go to, I didn't graduate from college. I'm the perfect guest to be. I worked a lot fan. of syllables. That's that was fine. That's unusual. yeah. It was. I've, I'm one. on my second drink. <laughs> 
just to slow the brain down. <laughs> About halfway through the second drink, it's kind of like I had a mini stroke and just the right side of my face doesn't work anymore. <laughs> good, good, good. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I grew up, uh, man, Bill, you're going to hate this. I grew up an Iowa fan uh, I for the longest time. I And I had, my parents were not sports fans. And so it was just me. I was, uh, I had three older sisters that were not into sports. So it, that was my way of just finding something to do was watching sports on Saturday and Sunday, college football. And at the time, Iowa was the shit. I mean, they were rolling Hayden Fry. And, and yeah, I when actually, we grew up, you just, an Iowa State fan was kind of an anomaly as kids. They were never on like TV. You, and, but, and it yeah, was yeah, weird. Yeah. Like when the Iowa Iowa State game would come on, there'd be like, like there was one family that was Iowa State fans out of all like kind of my yeah. peer group and families and stuff. And yeah, everybody watched the game together. Mm-hmm. There'd be one group of I that that would be it. And that's yeah. all you ever saw anywhere. Well, I felt like the the rivalry was not. Yeah, such I, a I mean it was fifteen years. Yeah, was, yeah. When you when you had fifteen years of losing, then it was a pretty lopsided thing. <laughs> I mean, it, for a like while. rivalry is a little. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it really. It, it's just an in-state ass kicking at that point, really. It, yeah. But there was still enough hatred there for there to be energy. Yeah, no, like, yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'll never forget the game that I watched. It was pouring down rain. It was kickoff. Iowa had kicked off. And I think it was Rob Houtland had went to go kickoff and he slipped and fell and hit the ball and the ball rolled 10 yards and Iowa got it. And I was like, we're going to get our asses beat. We can't even recover like a muffed kickoff at this point. But but yeah, there were I, games it's it's weird because when you think of that 15 years and you just look at it as an entity it you think that that Iowa just kicked Iowa State's ass every single year for 15 years and if you look at the scores over that period of time the games weren't that lopsided there were a handful that were yeah but for the most part they were within a couple of touchdowns at the very least and a lot of them were 3 5 points um, you know, I mean, some of those could have been garbage time stuff or whatever, but like yet and still, it was never, there was still enough passion there, at least out of the players. And there were enough kids from Iowa playing for Iowa state that they wanted that game really bad, you know? And I think, <clears throat> I think it was good for the rivalry really in retrospect when Iowa state won five in a row. Oh yeah. Yeah. That because was it, it turned all, it turned all of us into big assholes. I can tell you that I was oh, for sure. <laughs> I was ready to kill people for five years. <laughs> <laughs> it was especially because because you know some of those some of those games, Iowa State was not favored and they were winning. So it wasn't just mm-hmm. that Iowa State now had become. I don't know that they program. were favored in any of them, right? And and actually, so, yeah, that's true. And so it 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 really, you know, it it now took a lot of those games, like you said, that you know in. I would say it was mid nineties where you started to get some of those, you know, there was like a 10 to three game and like, you yeah. know, a couple of those close games and it took a couple of those close games and started to flip the, the, the script. But then, you know, uh, the infamous comeback in, in Iowa city really kind of um, made that such a, a, a bigger deal. And yeah, it brought new life to that rivalry for sure. Oh yeah, that's well. You guys were going to talk about our worst moment. That was mine, by far. Two thousand two. You're talking about, right? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. When Ames' own Aaron Greving got a safety in the end zone. No, I'm, 
we're not going to get into that. <laughs> That's a whole uh, conspiracy theory. He he didn't play after that year. Didn't play after that year. He was not I, I I wholeheartedly think that happened. No. Um, uh, hey, um, you, you know. If, but I mentioned. Give my, us Adam Haluska. We can go ahead and, and talk about that. Oh one. my God, <laughs> Iowa State when when Haluska went to Iowa. This is one. This is actually one of the first moments in my life I can remember where I, outside of when Hurl played, when Hurl was at Iowa State, I cheered for them every game because he was my friend. Mm-hmm. But like. You know, that over that supersedes everything else. I even cheered for him against Iowa when he played there because I wanted him to win. But, you know, I, it, it was very short lived. It was four years long and I was done. <laughs> um, but I mentioned my 20s, you know, and everything in 2002. Uh, you know, we were up what I think we were up 23 to seven at halftime. Mm-hmm. And we're just like talking shit and everything seems great. And, uh, then they come back and win after Grevin gets the safety. Um, and I'm not going to forget that. Uh, and uh, Iowa State's band, I was in the south end zone where the opposing band was at the time. And Iowa State's band is playing their fight song. And this is right after we kick the onside kick, don't recover it. And I'm walking up the bleachers. And this Iowa State fan standing on the bleachers and gets right in my face and is clapping right in my face to the fight song. (laughs) (laughs) So I gave him like this light little shove because he was standing on the bleachers and I knew he would just tumble. And so I gave him this little shove and he tumbles down the bleachers and uh, gets up to come after me. And one of my friends sees him come and my friend throws this big haymaker at him. And then a huge dog pile of Iowa State fans jumps on top of my friend. There's like 30 of them. And, you know, we're exiting. So, like, it's just me and him. And it turned into this big thing. And all of a sudden, I'm snatched up. And I thought for sure, like, I was going to jail. And, like, I'm like, dude, this is bad. I have weed in my pocket. Like, I'm screwed. <laughs> and I... uh I turn and look and it's just like a couple of other Iowa fans just like trying to break it up. And so we ended up fine and left and everything. Cause it was the end. So all the security had headed to the exit. So we got really lucky, but that's my lowest moment. You know, I let the guy get under my skin enough to cause that whole big riot. And it was right in the stadium. It was right. Like on the mezzanine, like, and nothing happened to us. It's crazy. Did you say that was 2002? Mm-hmm. That was my wedding day. Was that your wedding day? <laughs> I'm sorry I shoved your husband down the bleachers. We were there. Oh. That had been a really bad choice as Iowa State fans to get married at Kinnick Stadium. But I, you know. You get married at Kinnick? Ooh. It's not the most romantic place. How about you, Meg? What was your worst, worst memory? Worst? Does it have to be about football? Nope. Because I have the day your dad went out for cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> not that day. It's actually back, my mom man. and dad's He's anniversary today. They're still together. Oh, <laughs> still crazy after all these years. Still crazy. That's a good way to describe it. Um, I mean, I have some football heartbreaks for sure. Like um, in 2017, the K-State game with the picked up flags. Um, that game never happened. Uh, such, I, a, 
such a gut punch. Um, That was the one time that I really felt like the fix was in. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I think I played around with, you know, joking around about things like that. But that was the one time I was like, they are royally fucking us and they're doing it on purpose. Okay, Fran McCaffrey. Okay, (laughs) Fran. Listen, listen. Um, I think the, the hardest, like the toughest thing about that was, and I didn't remember this until I was looking back. There were two picked up. Like yeah, there were two of them. It was two. There was, there was two... a late hit on Kyle Kempt, who yeah. had become our Lord and Savior. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Like we were ready to build a statue to Kyle. And well, then Iowa was, State was going was... through a savior quarterback every five seconds yes. for a while there. Yes. Yeah. Well, and Kyle Kempt gets his number called against number three, Oklahoma. And we fucking win. And yeah, it's insane. Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. like, that's a high point. But anyway, and then there is blatant pass interference on Lazard. Like it's. It's very blatant. If you look at the pictures now, he's being, he's being hugged while the ball is still five yards from him. And, and they pick it up again. And I, yeah. I just remember being like sick to my stomach. Like they, they can't do this. This can't happen. And, and then, you know, you're watching and you're like eagle eyeing the rest of the game and they missed a false start against K-State as they're mm-hmm. coming back down the field to score. It just was, it just like, it, it felt so unfair. And I try really hard to not just blame refs for everything and not, and not just say like, this was unfairly, you know, handled. And, and I think that's kind of a cop out sometimes because you know, it is what it is. And mm-hmm. You have to well, fuck deal those with guys. It was on. The- <laughs> <laughs> you have to deal with the consequences, but no. it, it very much like Chris said, it felt like um, they decided that K State was going to win that game, and we were not going to get out of there with a win. It wasn't going to happen. It, yeah, it, it reminded me of uh, uh, the naked gun when he has to uh, keep the inning going so they can find which player <laughs> is oh. going to kill the queen. Oh. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> he's calling things ball before they even hit the glove. Like, look, it's Enrico Palazzo. <laughs> um, but you know, we talked earlier, but like, w- at what point do you get too old to get so emotionally invested in 19 year old kids? Yeah, uh, and I will say that that game was a huge turning point for me, and I have not nearly been when as you afraid. felt okay about well, I've not been nearly as much of a rabid fan since then because I got so frustrated. And I was just inside Dude, you of lose myself. Sleep. You lose sleep like you got dumped. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, truly. You're going over it in your head in bed like mm-hmm. you played in the game. And that's that's what I mean when I'm talking about how pathetic it is. Like, yeah. man, yeah. Like, if 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 I would have just made this play at yeah, this time. Yeah, exactly, right? Or whatever. Don't, and, don't you think, too, though, like that's part of what makes it even harder is because you know it's pathetic. Yeah, you yeah, know. 100%. Like, part of your brain knows yeah this is not the end of the fucking world. Like no. there are a billion worse things that could be happening, yeah. and, but and, you're also and, devastated. At the but same not time. in the like, moment, not in the moment. There aren't a billion God. worse things, but, you know? but reflecting you know, on that game is when I went, Holy shit. I'm way too invested in this. I need to recalibrate myself on like sports in general. Uh, and not that I'm still not a, a rabid fan, but it, that was a pivotal game to me. Cause it was like, okay, this is so ridiculous. And this mm-hmm. is yeah. so because it was, it felt like a miscarriage of justice. 
right? It really you know, did. Like, and like, it, you know what? It was. It fucking it was. was. Right. It right? absolutely was. Like we're not wrong about any of this. Like this is yeah. not an overreaction. It didn't just part. feel like a miscarriage of justice. It felt like a miscarriage. That's how bad it was. <laughs> miscarriage. Oh, it felt like a tumor. Very it was painful. Awful. Yeah. It was awful. It would be easily would be the UAB game. Okay, that's my that's my number one where I actually cried literal tears. Like, here's why I'm sitting at work. It's the first game of the entire tournament. Tim's okay. You want to watch the entire weekend, and I'm sitting there at my desk. Our bosses would let us watch it on TV, and I mean, I'm dead fucking silent for a good hour. Like, I don't do anything but just sit at my desk, just stunned, like my life was over. Yeah, I can't imagine having been at work. Like we were on, we were on spring break. And so we're, we were just in Kansas city and watched them come back against Kansas in the final game. We sat right behind the Hoiberg family. It was one of the most fun sporting events I've ever been to. And then, and we just like, it's a lock. Like they're playing UAB. I've never even heard of UAB. Like, do they have a basketball team? I I didn't even know. And frosted tips, man, that, Oh, that was killer. That like I actually, I actually cried more than I, once that day. I did not because then it was movie. done. The fun of the yeah. tournament, the thing you've waited for all yes. goddamn year, is done. It's over, and that was brutal. Second of basketball, the entire tournament, I was that sick to my stomach about it. That that, that was that's my number one. That's my number one heartbreak as a cyclone, for sure. And then you knew Fred was leaving shortly after that, and then that was you were like, no. Oh, that yeah that it felt like just the wheels just kept falling off there was no going back that was that was a tough stretch that was the highest highs and the lowest lows for sure as a as a basketball fan absolutely my other football heartbreak i will say and there's some recency bias here and you know all's well that ends well but brock purdy throwing that interception late in the big 12 championship Mm -hmm. game really gutted me i had given up on that game i was so frustrated (laughs) i was going to go meet up with a friend after the game and i showed up early he's like i thought you were watching the game i'm like i'm going to to just be in a bad mood if i watch that game i need to just be done and he and he's like well it's on tv over here because we met up at a bar (laughs) and i was like oh shit we came back now i'm invested again Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so then i got reinvested so yeah, that, that makes gut, it worse. That gut punch. That was a tough one. Yeah, that was a you tough one. And it was—it's hard to feel disappointed in that season as a whole, but, and especially like going to the Fiesta Bowl and, and kicking ass. Like, yeah, right. I think that that helps sort of erase some of that hurt a little bit. But but that was tough, and that. That's, so that's one I'd like to have back. Yeah. <laughs> the other one for me was the Louisiana game, and only because COVID had been so bad, and everybody had been locked away, and it was my yeah like taste of a little bit of normalcy yeah and then we lay an egg and i was just like we i i can't have five minutes of fucking happiness here like right we needed a win yeah i was really drunk by the end of that game and i think that's why <laughs> that's my recommendation is drink so much that you just kind of don't even pay attention you even know what happened so mm-hmm. so bill you were saying we reminded you of something i wanted to get back to that because well, you were talking about the uab like you know, we had when we got when we had Haluska and we were number three seed and got beat. Yeah. You know, that wasn't that wasn't near the gut punch for me as it was for you guys, you know, with yours. Um, because I didn't have any real expectations, you know. I just thought maybe sweet sixteen. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I was I got into this earlier and I got sidetracked. Uh, one of the moments for me when I kind of my my hatred and stuff kind of lowered was I was at I was at Hilton Coliseum um, for I I don't remember what the game was, but it wasn't against Iowa. But they had T-shirts uh, that said Huck Faluska that they were selling. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember those. I and remember those. I, as a Hawkeye fan, I looked and just started laughing. Like, I thought it was so funny. I love that the comedian's like, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. I was like, that's just funny. Like, I don't care. I'm sorry. I have real. I have no connection to Adam Haluska at all. <laughs> Like yeah. I'd be saying that too, like all that, like yeah, hawk him. Well, I mean, there was, was <laughs> there were so few. I mean, there were instances where people that you know grew up, you know, top prospect in the state in Iowa City, and ended up going to Ames or vice versa, right? right? And those right. felt like betrayals, but it was very rare to have someone start the career at one school mm-hmm. and then finish at a different, but then also to be a star player and do it. Yeah, uh, that I can't think of another one who was a star player and switched schools. I I remember at the time the year because Iowa State won the game the year before mm-hmm. he transferred, and after that game they had interviewed Eustachy and he said he was talking about how nobody hates Iowa more than Adam Haleska does. In the, in the <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! Because <laughs> he was playing against Jeff Horner and Greg Bruner, you know, and they all played AAU together. Blah blah blah. I always I found to that to be hilarious. When I went to high school with Jeff Horner and graduated with his wife. Oh, so you went to Mason City? Yep. I'm a Mason nice. City gal. I still have a Dean Oliver jersey. I loved Dean Oliver. He was a senior when I was a freshman. Oh, God. I thought, I thought he was heaven. The bee's knees. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I remember being in... in oh, my um, God, Dean Oliver. That's my name so dreamy i was friends with his younger brother too but that never got me the connection yeah um, and that's the only reason why wasn't it, it? it turns out i was a skinny dorky little freshman and he was an amazing basketball player and didn't want anything to do with me it's really weird uh <laughs> i remember being in pe class and um in our in our school there were a bunch of pe classes happening at the same time and so like one class would be down on the gym floor and then we had to sort of like up behind the stands a spot and my class was up in the above the stands above like the bleachers doing whatever and we could just hear like a swish of a basketball over and over and over and over and we looked down and dean oliver's just standing there swishing threes like one right after the other one after another like yeah it would have been great if he did that in Iowa City. Pretty amazing. <laughs> he was pretty amazing. He was pretty great. No, he was great. Basketball was really good because no, he had a great really career at Iowa. He, he was he was amazing. Yeah, Definitely. he was one of those players. But, like like sometimes like so many Iowa players like on basketball in particular, uh, just have punchable faces. Uh, and he was so cute. But but he, oh god, he was, was so say, cute. I was gonna say the thing is, is he was one of those players. Like yeah. I'm. My whole life, there have been certain Iowa basketball players that I've, you know, I was not an Iowa fan. I hated Iowa, but I had, like, I loved B.J. Armstrong when I was a kid. Probably because he was a scrawny he kid. was also cute. Yeah, because he, he was, was cute. He was, He's still cute. Right? Like, because he was. <laughs> hey, B.J. He was, <laughs> he was a scrawny guy who looked like 20 years younger than he was. He probably still can't shave. Uh, right. <laughs> 
Um, I, like I remember like watching an interview when he was in the NBA and he's like, yeah, I still don't like shave every day. Um, but me neither. Also- Cause that's cause I'm a slob. Well, yeah, I was going to say you all have full beards. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. It was driving me crazy. Yeah. That's um, just out of laziness. It's, it's not a me. fashion statement. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, you know, Dean Oliver was one of those players where I should have probably wanted to hate him, but I didn't just cause I respected his game too much. That's how I was, uh, my guy for Iowa State in that regard, outside of Hurl, Hurl Luther Beecham. Uh, <laughs> outside of, uh, there's still one of the all-time greatest YouTube videos you'll you'll ever watch is of the Big 8 championship game against Kansas, and they're like, but who's guarding Hurl Beecham? I, well, I, <laughs> watched I, that? I watched that game from, uh, uh, Johnny Orr used to have a sports bar on South South. South Duff named after him, and I watched that that Big Eight game where Hurdle was hitting things from all, yeah, corners of the court, basically. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Great. My whole family was losing our minds. Like we, <laughs> it was appointment watching for us. I mean, all we did for two hours every night Iowa State was on was just go shoot it, Hurdle, shoot it, Hurdle, shoot it, Hurdle. <laughs> all we did. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but my guy outside of him for Iowa State is Jamal Tinsley. I think yeah. I thought Jamal Tinsley was one of the most amazing point guards I've ever seen in my life. It was like the ball was on a string. I oh. He was like a magician. His ball handling was so insane. His passing was so insane. I mean, there's a reason. You don't just go play point guard in the NBA. I mean, that dude was so good, and I actually enjoyed watching him. I, I hated to admit it, but – I would totally be all over watching Jamal Tinsley. I thought he was great. Yeah, I, I had two for Iowa. I for me, it was AC Earl, but the other one was Chris Street, and not only because he was from Indianola. He was a he was, and I lived, grew up on the South Side of Des Moines. I had watched him play, and I just loved watching Chris Street play. And it it was, I mean, what a tragedy! But that that was me. That those other other than that. And I loved, I loved Tom Davis. I thought Tom Davis got a raw deal. Yeah, it's we were we made that mistake of getting a little too big for our britches. Where it was the fans were ready for something more. You know, we never we never made a Sweet Sixteen outside of his first season. Mm-hmm. When we went to the Elite Eight. We never even got to the Sweet Sixteen. We were in the tournament virtually every year. But we were we would win that first game, and then we would lose the second one every single year, and you know I think the fans kind of it, it got old, and the fans kind of wanted to see if we could go to the next level. And then Steve Alford was really hot, right? He like he had taken I think it was was it Southwest Missouri State, yeah. Um, yeah. he had taken them into the tournament and made a bit of a run, and they were really good and. Plus, you saw Lou Olson, your former coach, going yeah. off down in yeah. Arizona, right? And so I think a lot of fans went, hey, why didn't we, you know, we already had this talent here. And we exactly. Gotta- yeah. And then, um, and the thing is, people in Iowa City are pretty down on Alford. And, you know, a lot of it, rightfully so, He he's kind of a cocky dude kind of you know he was arrogant but a lot um, of do you know who i am stories yeah i mean you kind of felt like that he kind of gave that aura off a little bit but you know he had 
a couple of chances if everybody stayed healthy that they would have been like I mean our in his defense his best player was either hurt or you know in a court case every I was say or year. committing a felony yeah. yeah well I wouldn't call it a felony <laughs> I, I mean the legal system did but uh <laughs> you're talking about Pierre Pierce <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he didn't get convicted of a felony. He didn't get convicted of anything. That's why he came back. He got convicted of a felony in the court of public opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm just saying. I mean, look at the climate we're in right now. There's there may be a time. I'm and I, I I'm risking sounding misogynistic here. Mm-hmm. I know that. I'm aware, but the climate we're in right now. And I look at that whole situation and there are some things that, you know, have been said or whatever, but I can't say that's the gospel, but you know, some of that, some of that might have to do with, you know, having this, this girl having to go home and tell her dad, her, you know, her affluent West Des Moines dad that she's been sleeping with a black guy. There's an element of that. That's all I'm saying. Take take what you want. I mean, he did plead guilty to assault causing se- or injury in a sex world assault. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's not that's not like he. Have you ever been through the legal system? Um. <laughs> do, you, do you do you know what they do to you in those situations? Um. You know, but then he prosecutors did late, he did later namely. get imprisoned though too in two thousand. Yeah, he turned out not to be a great human being. I'm just talking <laughs> about the moment. I mean, I mean, OJ is not a. OJ did it. Yes, I know. <laughs> I've actually, I've actually listened to the "If I Did It" audiobook oh, on wow. the road one time. Oh man, did, here's wait, the. Did, did he read it? Yeah, does, does he read it? it? No, no. Here's the brilliant. Is it, this is it like is, Lawrence Olivier reading. No, <laughs> Morgan Freeman. What they did was they hired a voiceover guy to kind of sort of sound like OJ. Uh, I, I listened to this same book, Bill. Did you? Yes. yes. So they, you did. Yeah. God, that would so be Chris, Chris, Chris will back me up on this. Here's the brilliance of that book. Funny. Here's the brilliance of that book. So how OJ, did we end up on this? I, no, I, Pierre Pierce got us to OJ. That's what happened. Oh, I, I love it was the a idea. direct line. No, I love the idea of, of this Morgan is an Freeman OJ Simpson podcast yes. now. No, so Morgan here Freeman is like... the brilliance of that book, though. <laughs> because do you remember that huge civil suit and all that stuff with the Goldman family? Oh, yeah, yes. yeah, absolutely. Gold the Goldman family has the rights to the book. Yes. After yeah. he wrote the book, yeah. mm-hmm. he was gonna put it out and try to profit off of it. But because of that civil suit, the Goldmans are like, no, you don't get to profit off of shit. So they own the book. So I should at least like download it on Audible. Just right. And so the they money. put, yeah, they, they put the book the out. And the, the beginning the of the book, was... the daughter reads why they did it. Yes. Why they ah, put the book out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, because they're yeah. basically saying, this is his confession. You all right. need to hear this. And well, and isn't it, isn't the, it, isn't the cover did... like if, I did it. Like, right. yeah. And then, like, the if is real small. Right. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. God, I really want to hear Morgan Freeman. Like now, that would get them some real money. I think that would be great. 
So he got into his karate stand <laughs> and I just laughed at him, little white boy. <laughs> and I said, you get busy living or you get busy dying. <laughs> You're both about to get busy dying, son. And neither one of you sound like Morgan Raymond. <laughs> we did our best. Oh, well. My friend Andy Dufresne. <laughs> Best memory. Oh, God. I'll go first with this. Oh, Chris is going to get us back on track. Best memory. Uh, the Bronco. When OJ was in the Bronco. Uh, oh. I liked when his glove didn't fit. And Al Cowling's. <laughs> you must, the glove don't fit. You must quit. It really didn't fit, though. Well, because he was fitting it over plastic gloves. <laughs> And he stopped taking his arthritis medicine, if you believe. Yeah, so his hands would swell up. So his hands would swell up. Boy, that Johnny Cochran. He was a piece of work. Brilliant guy. Never mind the DNA evidence, it's the gloves. (laughs) (laughs) More do you need? Did you see that he's trending for the other day? He said he didn't want to go back to L.A. because he never knew if he might be sitting next to the killer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, so yeah, yeah. well, they put mirrors next to booths a lot. That's right. My best memory is (laughs) Chris Shipley, the king of transitions. I love it. I love like no segue at all. That's right. My best memory. (laughs) 2017, the Oklahoma game. That's Uh, that's a that's a like a top three because it was such a swing of emotions because. I had, I had, I, I was about two weeks into my chemo and radiation treatments. Oh my. And I remember I didn't even want to watch the game and Stacy and I went somewhere for the afternoon and I was like, we're starting who? Like, I'm not even going to watch this. And we got home in the middle of the second quarter and I sat down and started watching it and I was just blown away. Like the amount of swing of emotions in a two hour span of, complete dread to absolute pure joy that we had beat them and Alan Lazard crawling and crawling around on the end zone <laughs> on all fours celebrating that was a that was that's my all-time favorite moment that was an amazing moment I think um I felt like like the the high from that lasted for days too. Like I felt so happy for so long after that win. And I think part of it was because we went in with zero expectations. Like Jacob Park was injured or missing, or I don't even know like what happened to Jacob Park in that moment. Yeah. He I've doesn't know what that. happened to him. I don't, he doesn't know. I don't know. <laughs> Matt Campbell didn't know. And then they're like, we're going to call up Kyle Kemp. And like, we were going to, we were going to see family that weekend. And we had like, we had other like uh, friends coming to visit. We were all going to watch the game. And then it just was like, you know, whatever. It's a fun, it'll be a fun weekend. It was a beautiful October day in Iowa, like the most perfect fall day. We were going to go on a hayride. We're like, it'll be a fun day no matter what. And then we fucking won. <laughs> it was insane. I don't know if you remember um, that. I forgot what I was going to say. I, uh, oh, that like feeling like that game wasn't done until the very last second, like just have like being an Iowa state fan and kind of knowing how things can go and turn on a dime in the opposite direction for us. Um, like I really, last game. 
Yes. <laughs> like, well, and I think, yeah, we had, you know, we still had a lot of Paul Rhodes in our system at that point too. Like it snatched a lot of, of, yeah. Uh, where we would start out really strong and you'd think, yeah. okay, well maybe this is going to be something. And then it wasn't snatched so, a lot of defeats from the jaws of victory for sure. Yeah. Well, Cause no absolutely. matter what happened in the end, he was so proud. <laughs> he was. So they just didn't feel any pressure and they were like, eh, let's rest on our laurels. Or Our coach is proud. Or let's run instead of taking a knee like any. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. But no, I was with him in a po- when he came out in a post game press conference and said, we should never beat Texas. That's when I was done with him. <laughs> you don't say those things. But Meg, back, back to your, your, your game. Like, I think the thing that made that one so meaningful to me, because like we had, you know, we had had games where we, we beat, Iowa when they were a top 10 team. We had games where we'd beat the Huskers, you know, anything from the fluke eight turnover game yep. to, you know, some of the other games that were going on. We'd had other kind of big wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the first kind of big win, you know, we had 2011 against Oklahoma State. Uh, but that was the first win that while it felt fluky, it also felt like it wasn't a mistake. You know, like all those other ones, it was like, you know, we locked out. It also yeah. was against a top tier team that's that wasn't Iowa or Nebraska. Yeah, right, right. And you it know, was Oklahoma like who had our someone that's four. historically even better than than Iowa and Nebraska. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know exactly. what I mean? Like exactly. a blue, like a true, like a blue bud. Because for the longest time, Iowa would be the best team you ever beat. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For you sure. know. Yeah. And yeah. then now you cross that threshold of beating a team like Oklahoma or, or I mean, just like, I mean, you guys just beat Oregon, you know, I mean, when would you have ever played Oregon yeah, 10 right. years ago? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, getting a, a new year six bowl game winning decisively yeah, and finishing in the top 10 is just, thing. yeah, just yeah. unreal for sure. Yeah. No, I, I, I like that one. Bill, how, how about, how about you? What's a good um, memory? Well, I can tell you one thing about that game you guys are referencing is I that was one of the few times in my life I because I I I actively root against Iowa State no matter who they're playing. Like I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh, I want them to win when they don't play Iowa. I know you guys root actively root against Iowa. You oh, know oh, what yes. I mean? Oh, oh, for sure. Like, yes. To was, me, yeah. to me, it's like we compete for the best recruits in Iowa every year, so it serves our purpose for the other team to suck. Like, yeah, that's exactly. how I look at it. Exactly. Um, but that was one of the few times I found myself, I started rooting for Iowa state and the, the Iowa game was over at that point. Iowa kicked off at 11 that day. Um, and the Iowa game got over shortly before, I think maybe there was three minutes left or something. And Iowa state didn't have the lead at the time, but they took the lead while I started watching it. And it was one of those moments where I was like, you know what? Fuck Oklahoma. And like, <laughs> I just started rooting for Iowa State, and it was kind of, you know, it was like the Grinch's heart grew ten times that day or something. <laughs> I don't no, know I'm... what happened to me. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. My greatest memory, um, it's so hard to pinpoint anything because really don't my greatest. Don't even say it. Don't even gr- say it. <laughs> my greatest memory, honestly, <laughs> is – my grandparents picking me up at six o'clock in the morning with a thermos full of chocolate milk and some donut holes <laughs> and just sitting in the back seat of their Cadillac that was like 
to me the this chariot that only the richest people drove you know and my to me my grandparents were just rich and so like i mean that's what it is for me and that happened every time and it's just the to me to me that's my happy place like people people buy a camper and they go camping you know and like me going to iowa city every saturday with my friends and tailgating like that's my camping Sure. Like now, in my, at this point in my life, even when we lose, I still have a good time. Like it would ruin my day when we lost before. But now I'm hanging out with all my best friends every week. So it doesn't matter. Um, but game, I'm not going to cop out like that. <coughs> um, <laughs> I would say that uh, game wise, uh, it's a toss up. Uh, one of them would be the, the Capital One Bull um the the quote unquote catch mm-hmm. um which was really just a lucky result of really poor clock management um but that going so low like we dominated that game and then all of a sudden Jamarcus Russell comes in at quarterback and and they take the lead with no time left and so you know my friends and I were all in one place watching this and we're screaming fuck and walking around and the kids are hiding from us and like <laughs> you name it. I've been and there. then that play happens and we just dog pile in the living room. I mean, we're knocking over furniture. It was, it was amazing to go from that low to that high. It really is a microcosm of my life. Like, <laughs> well, cause, cause yeah, it's they- manic. It's such a manic, if you think about it. And that's why sports, it, that's why they use the word fanatic fanatic that's why it's like mania that's why it's wrestlemania because like that's what you are like it's just it's a manic you are totally manic during that two hours three hours you're just manic well i mean that one was that one was huge i I remember that one yeah and that's a new year's day bowl you know yeah you're you're right i i do cheer against iowa that one i was cheering for Iowa especially because of the way that it went down because it was like it was less than a minute when LSU took that lead right yeah like, oh yeah it was like 50 seconds or something like that right? yeah it was ridiculous there was like literally no time left right and so somehow. I you know I could have well I'm partially just because I also hate uh uh LSU so I didn't mind. yeah and that's right yeah now. you can have one of those moments and that was Nick Saban yeah yeah an LSU you know so you're yeah I mean like, really, you know what fuck LSU to hate those teams when that when that game started, uh, who I was really rooting for was a giant meteor. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I would say I'll root for Iowa State. I'll root for their bus to crash. You know, like no, I get it. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean, though. Yeah, but I used to always say I hope the plane crashes, but Fred Hoiberg lives because I like him. <laughs> <laughs> but but, uh, but the way that game went along, and then the way that it was, I I felt, you know, at first I was like I. I yeah, Hawkeyes, I've been there. <coughs> I've I've seen plenty of games where I was certain we were going to win only to have it lose in the last, you know, minute of the game. I think we lost you, Bill. Oh, we lost Bill. Oh, sorry. I'm here. I'm good. I hit the mute button because I coughed. Sorry. Uh, you can hear me now, right? Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, the, no, the thing, that whole season we played with no running back. Mm-hmm. All of our top three running backs basically got hurt the first two games of the season. And 
we played that season with Sam Brownlee as our running back from Emmitsburg, Iowa. Basically looked like a fullback. We all called him the Emmitsburg Express. <laughs> he averaged about 2.3 yards a carry. And we still managed to get into a New Year's Day bowl game. We, we beat Michigan that year. Mm-hmm. Like, it was insane. And uh, when we got to that, that Capital One Bowl, we actually had uh, Mark Marquise Simmons, I think his name was, was. He was our running back for that game. Nobody knew who he was. He was like just – I don't know if he was a red shirt or what. But all of a sudden, this dude was our running back, and he he could run a little bit. And we were just so excited. It seemed like it seemed like everything was going really well. And that's why – like we thought we were going to – we had kind of dominated the game, and we thought we were just going to put it away. But kind of in that true take-the-air-out-of-the-ball fashion, we left room for him. Yeah, no, I, I, that's, that's a, that's a really good one. And that's one that I think I could even, I, I could even get behind. Um, and that, so it's a toss up between that and also that same season we beat Ohio State. And that was the first time in my life I'd ever seen us beat Ohio State. And Ohio State is the one exception to my, I always cheer against whoever is playing Iowa rule, Ohio State. Uh, yeah, they're evil. I, I want nothing but terrible things to, to them, and they don't need definite articles. They are just an Ohio State University. Um, <laughs> I like they just oh yeah drive me up the wall. To me, to me, all those teams like that, like Ohio State, Alabama. To me, those are all Dowling. Oh yeah, like no, and that, that's, if that, you that, grew that. up, if you grew up on the north side of Des Moines, like me, you fucking hate Dowling. That's a that's a, that's you a up on the south side. Hate him too, Bill. Exactly. You you guys hate him even more. Actually, yeah, hate him even Southsiders more. do. Yeah. yeah. If you went to Stinkin' Lincoln, you definitely hate Dowling. Because yes, we, we have the same problem. They take our best athletes, yes, right. and they do it under the they do it under the guise of it being a Catholic institution. Trust me, everybody I knew that went to Dowling wasn't fucking Catholic. Right. No. Right. I mean, I mean, Notre Dame is the size of a student population is a tiny school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Um, you know, so, some of these programs that you see that are tiny schools that are getting the, these, these well, because like even this year, Ohio State, I think they're the 2021 class for them has like the number one quarterback uh, recruit in the nation and the number one running back and the number one uh, wide receiver uh, and probably like other, like a couple others. Like this is one of the best recruiting classes that they've ever had and they've had amazing recruiting classes. So, um yeah and if you look at them that's the thing ohio state is like the only team in the big 10 that that has a roster chock full of four and five star guys yeah even michigan's not on that level and that's why that all this shit's happening with the sec the top four or five teams in the sec are top to bottom four and five star guys mm-hmm. so you know why would ohio state go anywhere they're ruling the roost yeah, that that rumor that that the SEC is maybe thinking about plucking Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan, probably they would like to have them, but I, I I don't see why they would want to go to them. Which is the question I ask myself: Why Texas and Oklahoma would want to go to them, other than money? But I mean, they're in the Big Twelve. That's it. Yeah, full stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But it, so I, I mean, the I mean, goal is to win national championships. Their better option is to at least get into the college football playoff by being in the Big 12. I, I think they're banking on the fact that the college football playoff is going to be blown up. I think, yeah. You know what I mean? It's not going to It's not going to be the, the, the same thing. Well, I, we, I, also li- we also live in this world where doing the right thing, like putting people over profit and stuff like that is um it's like a unicorn when somebody actually does it it's like matt campbell yeah maybe so far yeah yeah i mean you know i I was having this conversation with my dad because my dad tends to idealize the the 60s and 70s when you know he was in college and when he had graduated free love man well just more like just iowa state actually you know college athletics were about college you know amateur athletics and it wasn't all about money and i was like you know dad you're loving this current run here we're able to have the facility upgrades and keep up with everyone yeah that's why we're getting better yeah we're and we're getting that because of money so if you want to say hey let's get money out of it i'm like well then you're not going to be first of all do you remember back in the 90s when we could watch three iowa state games a year if we were lucky because they weren't on TV. Do you, mm-hmm. Like, do you remember that, Dad? Now you can watch every single Iowa State game, and it doesn't matter where you are in the country. There's a good chance you're going to be able to see it. Like, right, wrong, or indifferent, you know, decrying money in sports this year is, you know, complaining about the train long after it left the station. Um, this- we all we all have we all have that. Uh- we all have that old white guy that doesn't want anything to change inside of us. Yeah, it's called Chris. <laughs> like, hurtful. Just, you know what I mean? Like, we, it's that everybody does the back in my day. Yeah. Everybody does that. It, it's been going on forever. It's been happening. Every generation thinks that the next one did something stupid. The next one's lazy. Everything. Yeah, there's no. No, I mean, I found myself, I found myself being get off the lawn, dude. I don't know how many times in the last few years, and I'm like, what the fuck happened to me? Yeah, I mean, you're right. It it just it's a cycle that that uh, perpetuates itself, and no generation is really uh, entirely different, um, except for the kids these days. I really want to talk about God what is. Damn it! <laughs> Worse. I have a bit. I have a bit that I do about that kind of very thing about how I'm, I'm, I'm saying how every generation thinks the next one's lazier. And I'm talking about my son taking it to a new level. Like I bought him a PlayStation and he uses it to watch other people play video games. (laughs) Lazy he is. But then it's like, but then you start, you turn that, you turn that mirror on yourself and you, and you go like, Oh, I'm, I'm the, now I'm being back in my day guy. Mm -hmm. And in that context, it's like, how do I have that conversation? Like, what am I going to say? Back in my day, we actually played the video games. Because yeah. <laughs> we were so outgoing. Yeah. We, we went yeah. through eight worlds to save that princess. We weren't fucking around. Yeah. We did it barefoot and by ourselves. And, yeah. I mean, it, just, I mean, but that's, that is what we are now. <laughs> Back in my day, we stayed inside on a beautiful summer day to play video <laughs> games, but our basement had fake wood paneling. <laughs> no AC. Back in my day, we played whatever sport was in season until it got dark, and then we played our video games. We had to blow into a cartridge. 
it was... so did dad to be able to start the car <laughs> it was a weird <laughs> oh, oh goodness uh... <laughs> But yeah, that's uh, the Capital One Bowl in the in the beat in Ohio State. Both, uh, I think, kind of in the same season because Drew Tate was our quarterback. Uh, and I remember I had another adult moment during that time because we and we we like beat their ass, like we beat them pretty bad. And I was in the stadium for it, and it was amazing. And I'm leaving, and I, I remember talking to a couple of little kids, like, "You need to understand what you just saw. Like, we don't just beat Ohio State." Like we beat Michigan kind of regularly, like here and there, and it was always a big game. But like beating Michigan was one thing. We just could never. Be, it seemed like we never beat Ohio State. So we beat, you know, we beat the piss out of them, and and we're walking back to the the car or whatever. And there's this dude that's just hammered, walking through this up and down Melrose, just going, "We just beat the shit out of Ohio State." He just keeps saying it over and over and over and like walking up to people and invading space. And he's like right next to me. And I was like, somebody needs to beat the shit out of you. And <laughs> everybody starts laughing. And that was my, that was an adult moment for me because, you know, <laughs> five years prior, I'd have been going, we just beat the shit out of day. Come here, four-year-old. Let me cuss at you some more. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I did have I did have a a time watching the the Insight Bowl against Minnesota. What was that? Two thousand five. Us? No, no. I, I this was Iowa you State guys. Minnesota. Yeah. Oh yeah, Minnesota won, right? No, we no. We won. Oh yeah, you guys won. We won, yeah. but I remember. But didn't you guys like play in the Insight Bowl like three years in a row or something? Yeah, crazy we lost like to that. Alabama on a missed field goal yeah that was that was also when we got job isn't that crazy to think about yeah i mean they weren't that they weren't this alabama then but isn't that crazy to think about right right it's not that long ago that we had a chance at beating alabama in a bowl game yeah yeah. i know i still wish we would have won that just to be able to have that like well the last time we played we beat alabama we beat them yeah I don't, know, um, I don't know why everyone thinks they're so good. Yeah, right. right. I mean, even we beat them. But no. Yeah, and we, then you sound like Nas- uh, Nebraska talking about their national championships all the time. Yeah, exactly. But no, I believe this, it was 2009. 2009? God. I, anyway. I mean, so, there were no Stanford. We, uh, so Ooh. We, we played Minnesota, and it was it was a pretty close game. Um, And I remember being at a sports bar and something. I don't even remember what the play is. But I swore and I turned around and there was like this older retired couple just having dinner. And I immediately turned around and was like, oh, I am so sorry. I just got caught up in the heat of the moment. I'm sorry. I shouted out an obscenity five feet from your guys' face or whatever. Uh, And like later after the game was over, they came over to my table and they said, we're uh, we're glad that your team won. And thank you very much for apologizing to us. (laughs) (laughs) And nothing made me feel smaller. Uh, but it was like perfect and humbling and like they killed you with kindness. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You, I, like, I, you got to, Sarah Silverman. They didn't have to like yell at me or whatever. I felt immediately bad about it, but the way that they did that, it was just like, oh, I know I shouldn't. I, I, ha- I had that moment. <laughs> I had that moment with some Iowa state fans one time. I'm in Kinnick and this is again in my twenties. And, uh, 
it was it was somewhat of a close it was like one of those 10 to 3 games mm-hmm. and we, you know we won but like <clears throat> opening drive we went straight down and scored like it was nothing and i'm fucking we're gonna whoop your ass and i'm screaming i'm all pumped up and then the rest make a couple of like really shitty calls here we go and i'm, here we I'm go, screaming Fran. <laughs> Well, we were playing Kansas State, so it was okay. Is it okay? <laughs> Is it okay if we're playing Kansas State? Can I? Was it was it Big Twelve refs? Probably. We have an entire wall. We have an entire wall of apology letters. So, so, but I just remember, like, I'm screaming at the top of my lungs in public. I'm like, "You cocksuckers! Fuck you!" I'm screaming at the refs. Like, I'm going. I'm a, I'm being an idiot, right? In this lady, there were like four Iowa State fans in front of us. Uh, it was like a woman who was probably my age now at that time, and her husband, and I think their kids were like maybe college age kids. And she turned around, was like, you know, calling me, calling me to task for my language. Yeah. And uh, I was just like, I was just like, man, I was like, you're an Iowa State fan. I don't give a fuck what you think or whatever, you know, right? So then we're ahead like 10 to 3 at halftime. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, man, I'm going to bring some really bad karma into this place if I don't. So I I tapped her on the shoulder and I was like, ma'am. And she punched you in the face. (laughs) She probably should have. Yeah, she did. She's like, ma'am, I'm really sorry. I was like, yeah, you should be a cocksucker. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She punched me in the face and she called me a cunt. It was perfect. And then you married her. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. (laughs) I'm into age gap relationships. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So she's like, uh, and I just said, man, I go, look, uh, that was really bad. I apologize. I was like, I'm not acting like an adult at all like that was horrible so i was like i'm sorry i i wasn't being an adult and i'm sorry and she was gracious and then by the end of the game we were like cordial and making jokes and stuff and and we won and i'm convinced it's because i apologized to that because <laughs> i really didn't give a shit to apologize to her at all i just yes, thought you I, did. I did it, I did it for karma full of it. yes you it was all about the karma for the hot You're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> you felt bad. You fucking softy. Shut up. You uh, did. It broke your heart. We know. It did break my heart, actually. It was really bad. I know. Oh, that's funny. Well, uh, Chris, what, what other things do we have on our list we wanted to, to touch on uh, with well, these let's, guys? Let's wrap up with... Um, We'll wrap up with a few things here. Let's wrap up with what our expectations are going into the season. So Meg, we'll start with you. What what's considered a success? Oh this? gosh. Whew, that's a big question. Um, and I mean I don't I don't speak for everybody. Okay. Like not everybody is not everybody feels the same way, right? As as what I'm about to say. But my feeling is we have to take this season a game at a time. <laughs> we have to <laughs> we have to not like imme- 
if last year taught us anything, laying an egg in the first game does not spell disaster for the rest of the season, right? So we need to step back from the ledge if you and I <laughs> somehow pulls out something crazy. Like, I think that's a game that a lot of people are nervous about, honestly. Like, I- Trap game. We should And be. maybe, and, and not, yeah, it's not unjustified to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I feel like, and I don't feel like it's true. There have been steps to improve every season that Matt Campbell's been here. There have mm-hmm. been um, marked improvements. And if you look big picture, um, I think that we can expect great things. So I would say we're maybe 11 and one. I think maybe we lose to Oklahoma. Iowa. We're not losing to Iowa. <laughs> think maybe we lose to Oklahoma possibly um and then we're in the championship game the big 12 championship game and then we're in the playoff I actually think we should take this year off from the Cy Hawk game because I don't think it's fair I don't think it's fair (laughs) immediately off I don't think it's fair that you guys get two home games in a row it's good that we're it's okay that we're good no, I just Kiss don't think it's ass. fair that you get two home games in a row. I think that I think either it gets rescheduled for either it gets rescheduled for Kinnick or we don't play. I don't. I don't think I it's think fair. It's you guys get to play. You only have to play Ohio State like once every sixty-three years. Well, <laughs> uh, populate your fucking conference, and you'll know what it's like. Don't talk about our conference too soon. Uh, we don't want to talk about it. You guys, um, you guys, clear so, the room. Faster than a beer fart in that fucking conference. <laughs> it's not Iowa State's fault. So I think, I think, um, 11 1, 10 2, and then we, I think, Big 12 championship again, maybe a win. I, I think we have to have a win if we're going to go into the, to the playoff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm on board with you. I'm, however, pushing all of my chips in on the UNI game. We absolutely cannot start slow. Right. We need to go out. As much as Matt Campbell has been amazing, every year we've started yes. a slow start sure. in the first game, and it's been brutal. Yeah. To watch, it's like I don't know what. Well, and I don't, and I don't think there. Yeah. But we cannot do that this year. With the with, we've never been in a better position than we've ever been in our life. Right now is the time, and if this isn't it, I don't know when it is. Right, single biggest preseason expectations in Cyclone football history. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Um, following, you know, the best season in Cyclone history. Here's something. And and getting what percentage of our players back and the leadership on that team? Like, yeah, you're not you're not going to have it set up to be what it should be again. Again, probably at least not. This is this is George Niang's senior year in basketball. Don't even fucking say it. <laughs> Why did you have to? Don't. <laughs> Here's what you guys have to keep in mind, though. Here's what you have to keep in mind. Like, and I'm, I sound, it probably sounds a little bit arrogant, like in my fandom or whatever, but I've been where you guys are right now so many times. And, and we just didn't quite conquer that hill, you know, get over that hump or whatever, which I think really just kind of lends itself to the fact that we still are getting the most out of the least at both of our programs. Sure. So once you get to a certain level, it's really hard to get over that hump. 
it, it kind of plateaus. And and what you have to do is you have to like really enjoy those special seasons if you can. Which is why I'm saying, yeah, take it a game at a time. Especially like we didn't get to do shit last year. Like, but maybe maybe the best thing that could possibly happen to you is that you and I game. You win by win a by last second field outs. goal. <laughs> so or like you have to. No, I get what you're you saying. have to block a I pun do. or something, mm-hmm. you know, because right. like I've seen that happen, like with mm-hmm. with our special seasons. Like yeah. uh, the 2009 season, we started undefeated before Ricky Stanzi got. Yeah, what hurt. was it like nine and zero, ten? Like yeah, like we started insane. nine and zero. Yeah, and uh, if you at the beginning of that season, we had to block a UNI game-winning field goal twice. Twice. Yeah, we had to block that. two field goals in a row to beat you and I. Right. And then we go nine and zero after that, and right. we beat all these Big Ten teams. Yeah. You know what I mean. Right. And then we well, go play Ohio think- State at Ohio State without Ricky Stanzi and take them to overtime. Right. So I see what you're saying, Bill, but I just don't know that my heart can take that anymore. Of course your heart can't take it, but that's the reality <laughs> of what we're dealing with. Yeah. And that's why you have to temper your expectations. It's tough. It's it's tough because yeah, on the one hand, things could not be lined up any more beautifully mm-hmm. <laughs> for this team that we've no. been cheering for for a long time. And we've been waiting for something like this for a really long time. So it's very hard to not just mm-hmm. completely like <laughs> lose your mind about the possibility of what well, could like happen a, this season. As an mm-hmm. Iowa fan, I look back on Chad Greenway's senior year mm-hmm. at Iowa. Yep, That was our best group of recruits we'd ever had. That was the most expectations. We had so many returning starters. Our defense was supposed to just be locked down. And I think we went seven and five, maybe, or or six and six. Like it was pathetic. And then we and then what they did was they went back to their roots and they started they started being a development a developmental program again. They mm-hmm. started just going back to those three four star guys and developing them. Yeah. And I think that Matt Campbell has a, a grasp on that. Absolutely. I think that yeah. I think he's smart enough. Cause the thing about coaching, the reason I love coaching is, is in coaching, it's okay to copy people. Mm-hmm. Like in coaching, it's okay to look at what this coach did over here and model it somehow to your program or whatever else. And it, I think that if Matt Campbell's being honest, he's kind of looked at what Kirk Ferentz has done at Iowa and he's like, this is this is the blueprint to success in coaching in the state of Iowa. It's becoming develop. It's it's going and getting these these guys with a whole bunch of potential. Like we'll go get we'll go get a guy that that plays quarterback at his high school and turn him into a linebacker. Right. Like that's the kind of stuff that you have to do around here. You got to be creative, mm-hmm. and we do have some really good high school athletes here, D one level high school athletes, but not not the numbers and and even now our best a lot of our best athletes are going to go out of state you know it's back to dowling in des moines again you know alabama's dowling so if and if we ever get the four or five star guy he's got his eyes on dowling he's getting he's getting his offers from alabama and clemson right so you know, the likelihood of us having an abundance of players like that coming to either one of our schools is slim to none. 
So you, you got to have, it's got to be development. So you have to have consistency within your coaching staff and it has to stay that way for a while. Right. And I think that that's, I think that's the, that's the mountain that Iowa State's climbing right now. Like that's what's happening in yeah. this exact moment. Keep a moment. good coach. That's what's happening in this exact moment for Iowa State is the coaching staff is, is now across the board, everything that Matt Campbell has in his vision. And he has recruited, you know, not five-star players, but um, people that fit his program and fit his vision. And, uh, you know, I, I just, in Matt Campbell, I trust. And I think, um, I think we're in for something really special this year. Well, in Kirk, I've trusted for a really long time, so I get it. Yeah. But like the, the thing is there's two, there's two people that I respect at Iowa state more than Me. anything else now. Yes. Now. <laughs> 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 I, well i don't i don't like work there or anything but <laughs> right but i wear the shirt <laughs> and i bought it at the bookstore because i'm brilliant i didn't get it at walmart because i'm so much smarter than you <laughs> which chris, chris you know about my license plate we, we need to I, go there before this is over yeah oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> let me finish my but, beer quick um Matt Campbell and Jamie Pollard, I have an immense amount of respect for both of those guys. As you should. Uh, Jamie Pollard knows how to make a splash. He knows, you know, <laughs> he knows how to market. Um, and he knows how to I, take no shit. <laughs> I get a little bit annoyed with the hashtags here and there every once in a while. It's kind of a PJ Fleckish thing, you know. Oh, um, but at the same time. I get it. You did not like that. <laughs> I do not like PJ Fleck. It looks like PJ. Yeah, because PJ Fleck's all about the hat. Hashtag grow the boat. Oh, Hashtag. God. I, the fact that he was like that, <laughs> that he took names off of their back of their jerseys and put gophers on there because we're all one team. And then he put fucking oars on the helmet because it's all about his mantra because nothing about a gopher has anything to do with rowing the boat. So it's not about any individual. Well, Are you saying the, gophers don't row boats? I'm, I think he's saying they're Vikings, kind of, because they're in Minnesota. It's just it, the the man drives me insane. And when people wanted <laughs> yeah. him at Iowa State, I hated him before when he was at Western Michigan. I was. I think I, was it Central Central cent Michigan was. I don't know. Who gives anyway, a shit? A directional Michigan. Directional school. Michigan. <laughs> directional Michigan. Directional Michigan. You and 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 he put out that video where he was like, "We're gonna play for whom the bell tolls, and we're gonna have a hand signal, and we're gonna do like you have to watch this video because I mean the guy is a major tool, um, <laughs> but the I agree guy with is, you. is even more of a tool in this video, and I've in just slogan like. You go up to him, you see him just at like Whole Foods. And you're like, hey, coach, how's it going today? He'll go, elite, and just keep walking. Like, that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lot. Oh, oh, man. He, he's like, he's got like. Elite. Is he like 5'8? He's got like, like. Steve, hey. He's got like Steve <laughs> Alford's cockiness, but like if Steve Alford were like. Never accomplished a giant, anything? A giant douchebag. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say if if he were like created in some sort of Abercrombie and Fitch factory, uh, <laughs> um, it, oh. Wait, or maybe the American Girl Doll store at yeah, the Mall the, of America. The, the guy. I will not stand for American Girl Smack Talk on this podcast. 
you will not. <laughs> She's evidently taking a dollar two to the hospital. <laughs> they fix their hair when you braid it too much. Oh my goodness. My daughter does not know that store exists. And as long as I can help oh. it, she will not know that store exists. It'll um, happen. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, you're right about Jamie Pollard. He does get a little too kind of whatever. And he also. But it's a give and take. That's the thing. Like the, the yes. positive so far outweigh the negative when it comes yes. to stuff like that. Well, I think, and like, I think a lot of it has to do with like our Midwestern kind of Iowa upbringing where we're taught to just be humble. Yes. And, and and when Jamie Pollard's doing some of the stuff he does, yeah. it doesn't look like a humble thing. And right. that turn that's a turn off. Well, I mean, he also especially gets whiny to all and our petulant and blocks people and all that stuff. Well, too, and we which, but yeah. we also got I mean, that's why weed's still illegal here. We just need a lot of old Republicans to die and we'll be fine. I think I think there's like a there's something about though, like the <laughs> no, level of sort that. of the cockiness, but that sometimes like a great leader is usually a good delegator. Like he's very yeah. good at hiring people. Yeah. who fit the bill who fit what and i don't needs. think i don't think i don't think he's cocky he doesn't come off to me as cocky where where he co he comes off to me when i get annoyed is i he comes off to me like he's trying too hard mm. like he doesn't really come off to me as cocky he comes off to me more as like i don't know just you know anytime you anytime you try to have a hashtag like i've always hated like when you drive around des moines before any season starts and they're advertising, you know, season tickets. Mm -hmm. And there's always, you know, when Paul Rhodes was there right before football season, the, the billboard said, hashtag so proud. And then like the next year, the billboard says, you made that Hasht up. hashtag <laughs> trust the process. And then the next year it's hashtag win in the dark one dark. family or whatever the fuck. Like there's always Storm a thing. Brewing. Yeah, like, yeah, storm is brewing, whatever, like that kind of shit kind of annoyed me. But, but I get storm it. is brewing, I hate because that's a little QAnon ish, and I don't, I don't like that at all. But yeah. <laughs> What's a little QAnon ish? I miss the, that. The storm is brewing. That's a QAnon <laughs> saying. So if we start don't using, tread on me. If we, if we start saying the storm is brewing this season, we're going to get a whole bunch of QAnon nerds in our mention. Shut it down. But here's Shut how it you, down. here's we how you take one, we go all. So yeah. here's how you take the sting <laughs> out of that. Here's how you take the sting out of that. You take footage of the capital, the the capital storming thing, mm -hmm. and then you the just cut. You just cut immediately to the Princess Bride, where he's like, "Have fun storming the castle," <laughs> <laughs> and it will just take it all. I, it'll you'll be able to sit back and and just say, "Forgive them; they know not what they do. They're just, <laughs> they're just too stupid." But yeah, no, you're right. He does get a little too kind of like into, hashtaggy. Like, well, I'm gonna, like, I'm just gonna coin that term. He gets too hashtaggy. I, I mean, I think, I think a, a leader knows that their primary role is to inspire people towards a better future. Yes. Ultimately, a leader needs to inspire people towards a better future. And for the number of years I spent in the corporate world before I got out of corporate, um hashtags and slogans and and mantras and all of that shit is abundant oh, in word. the corporate world and it's there because right because it works different it works it's there mm -hmm. because it works yeah it's it, it's in the uh it's in public education too <laughs> yeah well because the thing oh, yeah. is people people that can't stand that fake bullshit 
on the same level as guys like you and I get the hell out of there. Yeah. So the people that are still there, that shit works on. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, and so like, I mean, it's, I, it's, I, it's, it's like a cult. I don't want to drink the Kool-Aid, but it works because enough people do. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll, I'll get them to drink the Kool-Aid as long as it helps me. I don't give yeah, a shit, yeah, exactly. you know, but I mean, that's, I've often, I've said this forever. Like you spend your whole childhood trying to get out of being a child. Like you can't wait to be an adult and have the freedom to make your own decisions and, and this, that, and the other thing. But then you find that you actually get treated that way the whole rest of your life. <laughs> you're never making unless you're the CEO, unless you're working for yourself. You still, I mean, how ridiculous is it that that insurance companies to this day treat you like you're in elementary school? Like, hey, if you guys meet our goals this week. You can wear jeans on Friday. <laughs> like, hey, uh, it's sad because it's on true. Tuesday. We get to eat outside, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's maybe. such a quicker route to recess. Don't like, talk shit about elementary school. I, I was gonna say it really. Is. I'm saying that they treat you like you're a child in elementary school. Grade, That's it what really I'm saying. Is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, trust me, I adore teachers. You have no. You are aces in my book. I think you guys are saints, living saints. Every, I will, I will especially say this, public school teachers. I will say this about Jamie Pollard and, and like the, you know, the blocking people and things. When you think of the amount of bullshit that he probably has to wade through, there's something about that that I like. That it's At least just, be smart enough that, to turn off your notifications that and it's don't just worry a, about it. It's just a, I get to filter what comes my way. I don't have time for this nonsense. Like, mm-hmm. I, I kind of like that. I kind of respect that. And you can, um, just, you can mute conversations. You can mute people. Sure. Not, yeah, or right. or social media gives you, you can the just ability. block people. You can block people who are dickheads. You yeah. don't have to listen to what they say, and you don't have to allow them access to you. You don't sure. have to. Sure. You would just block them. And I'm and I'm fine with blocking people. It just seems like sometimes the things that he's blocked people over are supporters of him. Uh, yeah, who are just being critical in a moment, right? Or right, or maybe even giving a fair criticism, like if yeah. you're sure. put yourself as the public face, right? Of a public university, yeah. Public, 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 public. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry, there's a lot of public there for you to public feel like things and expensive. Yeah, well, especially the position you're in. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, kind you of the king yeah. of the castle. I mean, you're gonna have to answer yeah. to some stuff. Yeah. I get that, and yeah. the, you know, I. You you say something, he reads it, and then he blocks you. I mean, he's read it, right? Like I yeah. don't know. I there's something about that whole fuck off attitude that I don't hate. I I just don't like. I sure. you know I will have people say things to me on Twitter that I just think I don't know you. This isn't your real name. There's no photo. That's of what you. I hate more than I don't, anything like, is like, the fake name. I will instantly block oh, yeah. oh, you. Oh, yeah. Fuck oh, off. Like again, I, I have no, I have no time for such nonsense. <laughs> yeah, I, I have I'm, no time. I hold myself in high enough regard. And so does Jamie that I don't have time to wade through the bullshit. I I'm don't fine with blocking trolls, but if I want my message to get out to my fan base and I'm starting to block my fans because I can't handle it, I'm right. actually being counterproductive. And that's where sure. I'm at with him. Sure. Is yeah. Yeah. Uh, first name seven. Tim numbers. Johnson says that Jamie Pollard's a cunt. <laughs> you, all, you heard it here first. Why do I think Tim's already blocked by Jamie? Maybe. I'm not. No, I'm not. I don't. I don't, I don't tweet. I, it's weird because 
the the you know, last the last uh, the last athletic director that I ever contacted was Bruce Vandevelde, and he sent me a really snarky email. Um, <laughs> he he said, um, "Have you ever been an athletic director?" I said, "No, I'm I, I'm I'm an alum, I'm an alumnus who has an opinion that wants to to share things." And mm-hmm. you know, it was cocky. It was in my twenties or whatever. But he's like, "Well, you know, if you if you've never been an athletic director, uh, then you you don't really get an opinion." And I said, "Have you ever been president?" <laughs> no? Oh, so do do you get an opinion? Or yeah, that's you, such a stupid thing to say. Do you, do you vote on these things? Yeah, that's why he didn't. And then it. we didn't renew his contract right after that, and I just, I I felt a little vindicated. That, that seems validated. <laughs> <laughs> the thing we have to remember, though, is we all make assumptions about other people's jobs that we have no idea what they are. Absolutely. And, and what it, what yes. they entail. Absolutely. And it happens a lot with entertainment where you know, a celebrity is known as being difficult or being a douchebag because they wouldn't sign your autograph when they were eating with their family and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, like for me, from a personal standpoint, uh, like, cause you, you brought up like, you're doing this, this is public, this is public, this is public, right? You're a public mm-hmm. figure. Well, when I go on stage and people start heckling or I make that sound like it's like a crowd of hecklers, but every once in a while you just have a guy or yeah. whatever. Who's been over um, I, I, I don't know, Bill. Or whatever. Shows there are probably a lot of people. But what I'm saying, <laughs> <laughs> when I do them in Ames, yes. Uh, it wasn't me the last time. I'm just saying. I, that's I, true. I, the last I, time. Uh, <laughs> but they'll be like, one of the things you have to be careful of as a comic is when you're in, like, let's just use the funny bone for an example. I don't know if I know Chris has been there. I don't know if you guys have I've been there. Yeah. Or a comedy club at all. If somebody's if someone right in the front row is being disruptive, no one else in the crowd hears them, but you they're right in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. If you start going in on that table right away, mm-hmm. it makes you look like a person that can't handle your job. Yeah. Right. Because no one in that crowd heard what they said to you. They have no idea what's going on. And so you have to sit there and let them hang themselves. You have to let them go until it's very clear that the rest of the crowd's annoyed by them too. And at that point, you don't even have to be creative. You can just say, shut up, you drunk fucking loser, and everybody claps. Like yeah. you, you don't even have to say anything creative. Um, but the thing is, when you go at them too soon, and then you turn the entire crowd against you because of that. It's because that entire crowd thinks you signed up for this. Right. Everybody thinks as a comic, you signed up to, to get heckled. heckled. <laughs> and you need to be able to handle that or you mm-hmm. shouldn't do this. Well, that's one of the biggest lines of bullshit I've ever heard, you know, for all of us comics. Yeah, we got to learn how to handle it because it's it's a... Uh, what do you call it? Like uh, a hazard of the job, mm-hmm. but nobody who has hazards in their job wants to deal with the hazards. Right. So like a lot of people look at Jamie Pollard when he's responding or blocking or whatever. And they're like, you signed up for this motherfucker. No, he didn't actually. Mm-hmm. He signed up to run an athletic program at a university. And the and fact that very, he has to and be he's public, very good at it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the fact that he has to be a public figure is a necessary evil. Mm-hmm. Well, said. so he's got to cope with that, but no one's prepared for that. Right. No one goes into that being prepared right. to deal with it. There's not a college course. Sure. No, I know. 
Sure. For example, dealing with parents as a well, look public at Kevin school Durant. educator. Well, it's, I mean, that's not Kevin Durant's one of the most sensitive tweeters on planet Earth, and everybody's like, you should rise above that. You got NBA championships and gold medals, yet he's still going, bitch, fuck you, on Twitter. Yeah. Like, Well, it, again, I, it, I'm not saying that Jamie Pollard can't go back on trolls or, or whatever. It just seems like it's gotten to the point. There have been periods where he has blocked, like, legitimate fans. Sure. Well, you know, basically, if you were like his publicist, you would say to him, hey, maybe don't do that. Yeah. And I think that's where I've gotten is yeah. like, I, yeah, no, don't heck, like the only celebrity that's blocked me is Ken Chong. And I did. I, and I did not even tweet at him directly. I literally just said, Dr. Ken didn't look like it was funny. I didn't tag anything. And he had set up some notification or was searching Twitter one night for any mention of Dr. Ken. And he sent me the the jerk off gift from the hangover and, and then blocked me. Uh, it's one of my proudest moments. That's uh, so cowardly. Like, yeah, like I didn't know that's fucking right. You, you didn't get, you don't, you don't get to drop the mic. If you said something and then blocked, well, and, and you only I get think, to drop the mic. If you say something and that person doesn't have a comeback. That's well, and, when you get to drop the mic. And, and I didn't, I didn't even, it wasn't, it was an innocuous tweet. I was just like, Dr. Ken doesn't look like it's that funny. That is literally the tweet. Dr. Ken doesn't look like it's funny. Didn't tag him, didn't tag anything. There had to have been 10,000 tweets about the show, Dr. Ken. Just yeah. to see that. I will say, if you go searching for an insult. Yeah. You're, then you get what you get. Like, <laughs> no yeah. one can help you at that point. Google, Googling yourself is not a healthy thing. Wait, what are we talking about? Well, I mean, it, it, no, I'm saying like Googling yourself your is not healthy. Like, for your prostate. <laughs> it might be. Now, this is your, a medical podcast. Depending on your definition of Google. But yeah. it's not a medical podcast. That's what sure. I'm saying is, like, but but look at it. I mean, you would think that a guy like that would be above any of this. Yeah. And he's clearly not. Yeah. And that's what we forget. We forget it with these college athletes. We forget it with professional Absolutely. athletes. We forget it with everybody. Everybody's a human being. Uh-huh. At the end of the day, can only take so much. Everybody's just a human being. Yep. You can you can only handle so much criticism and so much and and when you're in a position like Jamie Pollard's or, or, or the president of the United States for that matter, like anything, it, the, the loud minority, especially in this day and age gets way more play than the silent majority because the majority doesn't give a shit, mm-hmm. but the one out of five people that does lodges a complaint and whoever reads that complaint thinks that equates to millions. Oh, for sure. For Which sure. is easy to do. I mean, that's, yeah. Also a human reaction. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> I forgot well, where that question started. Okay. <laughs> I, think, I think we were asking for your prediction on the season. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've gotten that yet. <laughs> I, I predict um, that Jamie Pollard's going to block me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to block Tim for sure. Tim's fucked. Yeah. yeah. You guys I, are fooling yourself if you think Jamie Pollard's listening to our podcast. <laughs> well, Dr. Ken obviously Googled himself to block Tim. 
I'm pretty sure when you started this, you thought you were kidding yourself if you were going to get Marcus Pfizer. You're down right. Yeah. yeah. So let's I, not. Uh... That, I did, there's some truth to that. I, I do remember the time I sent the 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 uh, the message to to Coach McCarney, and he answered me back in five minutes and said, "Sure, I'd be happy to come on." And I was like, what "Oh the no!" <laughs> I told Tim, "I go, I I don't know what happened, but." I, we're, we could be in trouble we're gonna get real found out really fast how he, much he wasn't supposed to say yes right yeah. and then at the end when he said you that we were really professional i was my mind was blown it was so, it, it was like whenever my dog catches a rabbit and suddenly is like oh shit i don't know what to do with this now <laughs> i didn't think i was gonna catch this i don't thing. even like rabbits <laughs> let's we'll wrap it up with this okay he didn't make his predictions for the season yet. Nobody cares about Iowa. <laughs> God damn seven, it. Seven wins. That's Kirk, that's Kirk Ferentz's average, right? Yeah, better than your fucking average, dickhead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Did I tell you that Bill and I are friends? <laughs> um, win seven. My prediction for, for Iowa <laughs> is... I mean, honestly, there's some truth to what Chris said. I mean, really, because we've just kind of – it's like I was explaining to you guys earlier with our two programs, the way you got to build them, the way you got to develop them. You, you have special seasons, and when you have those special seasons, what happens is you win about three or four, like, nail biters. Like, you win three or four games that are within three points by the end of the season. And that lends itself, that makes your margin of victory, your margin of error so small that an 11 and one season and a seven and five season is almost the exact same personnel on any, in any given year. Cause it just comes down to how they execute at different times during that season. Like we don't have the luxury of having, a, a roster full of NFL guys. We got a handful. So that's just the reality of what we're dealing with. I mean, we're not, we're not in that richer, the rich get richer place. So which, so which season is this season for Iowa? I yeah, think what do, that, what do you think? Going I ahead? think that this season is probably, we have, as far as I know right now, we have no defensive line. Um, our defensive backfield's good. Linebackers are always solid. Defense is rarely our problem. It kind of comes down to what kind of quarterback uh, Petrus is going to be. Petrus, I don't even know how to pronounce his fucking name anymore. Um, it really comes down to, like, what kind of quarterback he's going to be, what kind of running game we're going to have. You know, we've got a couple of NFL guys on the offensive line, but that's still kind of a patchwork situation. But – uh. Tyler is good, son. So. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you know, if the running game works out the way I I, I hope it does, uh, I worry sometimes offensively that we don't use a running back like him the way we should. Like, I always felt like Akron Wadley should have been like Marshall Falk. Mm -hmm. Like, that dude should have touched the ball 30 times a game, whether it was mm -hmm. passed or ran. And I feel like Tyler Goodson's that same thing. Like we should be throwing him the ball, handing him the ball, 
we've always been really bad at just going, this is our best player. Let's just let him go. Well, Chris is a Bears fan, so he can relate to that. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta take shots after shots. (laughs) Back when I started Deadeye, I knew I wanted to innovate the barbecue game. Since day one, we've offered a premium barbecue product unlike anything else on the market. Great and Irene had something special tucked away on a recipe card in her cupboard. And there was no way we weren't going to do something about it. So we decided to take it one step further, introducing Deadeye Superfood Barbecue Sauce. We've got five new flavors, graviola, acerola, pink guava, acai, and dragon fruit. They're the first of its kind, and they're packed with flavor. Find it at your local grocery today or at deadeyebbq.com. Only, only five <laughs> seconds ago, listener, when we took a break, uh, uh, we had asked Bill to, to tell us about his license plate. Okay. Oh, God. Did we never even get there? No. Um, <laughs> my license, I have, I have Hawkeye license plates. Gross. And, <laughs> and they say, they say Walmart fan. and i love your reaction because that tells me you know exactly why they say that that's fantastic that's great everybody knows why it's my it's it's my eight mile thing i'm just like you know like you remember eight mile the end when he's just like yes i live in a trailer park yes yes and that's kind of my like Mm -hmm. yeah i'm a walmart fan fuck you like yeah (laughs) Oh, it's perfect. Because, I mean, like, you know, I put the whole thing together. My my grandparents took me to games since I was a little kid. And, you know, the lack of pro sports, that was the thing to do. And, you know, I mean, my <clears throat> my grandpa owned a pallet company. You know, they were members of a country club and all that stuff. Um, but that was – that's what, like, people that had money went to those games instead of sitting sideline at the Laker game. Mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's that kind of thing so it was always very special um neither one of my grandparents went to iowa in fact i don't think anybody in my family did i think my my uncle might have for a minute but he flunked out uh so nobody actually ever went there it was it's just always been kind of about sports sure um and so just, you know, growing up that way, you know, my grandpa, the pallet company that's, you know, manual labor, my friends that I tailgate with that I, I go, I have, a, I mean, I have a few friends that went to school there, but the majority of my friends and, and when I actually got those plates, Chris might remember this, I put a post up about it and I wrote a big long thing where I was like, yeah, you know, one of the common things is Iowa State fans will be like, well, you didn't fucking go to Iowa. And I'm like, no, I didn't. You're right. But but I buy season tickets. My friends buy season tickets. And my one friend um, delivered oxygen to your dying grandmother. My other one installed the air conditioner at your house. My other one ran all the wiring. My other one painted it. You know, like these people 
matter. So yeah, yeah, we are Walmart fans. Fuck off. Like that. <laughs> yeah. So I that's my that's why I put it on my plate. Like, what else are you gonna say about me? I, <laughs> I like the ownership of the joke. Yeah. And it's not it's I for me personally, it's not a joke that I'll ever like truly make. I don't know that I've ever said anything about it because my husband did not go to Iowa State and is a big Iowa State fan now. And I love, I'm like, the more the merrier, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know why we would just. Yeah, you're not going to accept them. Yeah. Right. Like, why do we disparage people for liking what they like? Well, and like, also, I, how dumb stupid, is it, but... by the way, where it's like, oh, you bought, you, you bought your Hawkeye shirt at Walmart. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I supposed to pay triple at the bookstore? Because <laughs> that's what a fucking idiot does, by the way. <laughs> And I don't like Walmart either. I'm not a fan. <laughs> I'm really uh, not. <laughs> I think your license plate begs to differ. <laughs> uh, I did get my oil changed there shortly after I got the license plate, and uh, they vacuumed my floorboards for free. <laughs> that's excellent. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right. I want to ask you guys one final question. Uh, Are you sure? You got to go to bed. This could go for another hour. Chris. One I, question. I know it's one question. We end every podcast with this question. So I'll start with Meg. Okay. I'm ready. What is the definition of success? And by that definition, who is the most successful person that you would that you would say that you, you look up to? Oh my gosh. Just like in general? Yep. Like in life? Sure. I want Bell to go first. <laughs> <laughs> I just made him choke. I was gonna have Bill go first. Thank God I got a mute button on my microphone. <laughs> I was gonna have Bill go first, but I thought maybe that might take another twenty to thirty minutes, and I thought maybe you might want to go. He first. wants Let me to close. The, he wants me to close the show. Let him talk for twenty minutes. <laughs> no, go ahead, Meg. The definition of success. Yeah. yeah and someone I look up to. Somebody by that definition that you look up to. Because of that definition, because of your definition of success, you look up to this person. I, I I truly need more time to think about that. <laughs> the whole purpose is to put you on the spot, by the way. I know, yeah, and yeah, it makes me nervous. Makes what's me, the first I, thing that pops in your I, head? I, I am a I am a note taker and a researcher and a preparer, and this makes me very nervous. <laughs> well, then um, you says, okay. says the person no. that just fucking randomly tweets shit. <laughs> no, That's she. Had, you should see her drafts folder. It yeah. is. You should see <laughs> my notebook. I think you should release. Oh, look, she's already tested out some of her tweets on her family. She's she's been workshopping them. Hey, what do you guys uh, think? They think I'm delightful. I have a Twitter open mic night in my basement. <laughs> <laughs> they think I'm so funny. Um. Okay. So, my definition of success. I think would be okay to to be uh, analytical of your life and your choices and celebrate the positives and try to improve um, any areas that need improvement. Does that make sense? Like, um, you know, truly celebrating the things that make you proud and not being afraid to celebrate those things to the highest degree. So, you know, when you've done something that you feel really proud about, sharing that with the world and celebrating that and not feeling like you have to 
um, be quiet and humble. Absolutely. That, you know, that when you have something that you've done really well, that you, that you celebrate that. And, and then when you have things that, you know, are things you need to work on, that there's things that you need to improve that you, um, that you're constantly working to make yourself a better person and whatever that may be in relationships, um, as a parent, um, as a spouse or, um, as a partner, as an employee, as an educator in my, in my situation, um, whatever it may be. Um, so someone I really look up to, (laughs) it basically comes down to constant evolution is Matt Campbell truly. And, you know, you think about the, the things that he's done that, you know, he will say constantly, go back to the tape and yes, celebrate the things that you've done well, absolutely. But look for the things you can do better. And um, something he said just in his media day, just, I think it was just like today or yesterday, it was yeah, maybe yeah. today, it was super recent. Um, he said something about that really stuck with me about like, you know, there are always going to be things you can't control. And football is, is an imperfect game. And there's always going to be things that you have no control over, but you can control your preparation and you can control your response. And I loved that. Like you can control how prepared you are and you can control the way that you respond. And like that to me is, is that perfect example of, um, you know, always improving upon that because I th- I'm sure we've all had ways that we've responded to something in our lives that we're not proud of, or we've all had ways that we weren't prepared for something that we could have been prepared for. And that's just something I really strive for. Um, especially when I think of like my job, you know, being, being prepared for anything that comes my way and then, and being ready to respond to anything, especially, you know, 2020, my God, <laughs> like, the shit Aren't you show a of, first grade teacher? I'm a first grade teacher. So you just I'm need a, first a five teacher. gallon bucket of sawdust <laughs> a, to be able to. I'm a first grade to- teacher, <laughs> and we lost a quarter of learning. Yeah. And then I had a class of kindergarten students coming to me who lost a, a an entire quarter of kindergarten, and yeah. they were now they were mine, and it's and my job to meet. It's my job to, to meet read. this benchmark, this benchmark, and this benchmark, yeah. and that was my responsibility, and um. So truly thinking like, I can't control COVID. I can't control this imperfect um, life that we're we're all living, but I can control the way I prepare and I can control the way I respond. And um, yeah, so I think that that's, um, if I can work that into a really wordy tattoo, that might might be (laughs) Well, I don't know that I'm big enough to, to fit that anywhere, but I really like that. I really like that idea of um, I will control the things that I can, and then when things don't work out, I can control the way I respond to that. I think that's really powerful. Great answer. But I, I do. I really like that. I, I like the way you laid that out. That was thank you. Very thoughtful. All right. Well, then, Bill. Same question to you. Um. I. <laughs> it's really hard to, it's really hard to create a definition because I feel that success is self-defined. I feel like if you, if success to you comes down to what other people think, then you're just, it's a recipe for disaster. Um, 
a really easy way to put that is to look at my career in comedy. Um, most people uh, will look at me and say, well, I've never heard of you. You must not be successful. And they're, they're equating monetary success to that. Sure. They think that if you're not famous, there's no way that you're successful. To me, to me, success is doing what you want and what you love. And if I'm, if I'm doing nothing but telling jokes, let's say that I only make $800 a month telling jokes. If I can live off of that, I'm a success because mm -hmm. I'm doing what I want every day. To me, my success resides in my peace of mind. It's, it's about my daily disposition. It's not about uh, showing a picture of my car to somebody. It's, none of that stuff ultimately really matters to me. What matters to me is um, being an example to, you know, my son or, or people in the neighborhood that I've come, I still live in the same neighborhood I grew up in. Um, it's very important to me to be a part of this community and do what it takes to make this a better place to live for everybody. Um, like those are, that's where success is. Like I'm, I'm, I'm in the hall of fame. I'm in the alumni hall of fame at my high school. And I don't think I deserve it at all. And I'm on like, I'm on the committee now every year that elects the next hall of famers and we read these bios and it's doctors and lawyers like it's it's all just monetary success mm -hmm. and sometimes i feel like i'm the only one on that wall that isn't like i guess successful in the terms of uh just what society thinks success is it's the reason that rappers rent yachts for their videos before they can actually buy a yacht. Like that's what people think success is. They see that dude making a, I did a reality show in 2004 with William Shatner and I thought I was done. I was like, <laughs> I was like, as soon as this thing comes out, I'm done. I'm going to be headlining every club. I'm gonna make millions of dollars. That, that was, beats my commercial John Ratzenberger. I tell you what, that I was making fucking direct TV appointments a month after that wrapped. <laughs> so it was a very humbling experience. And it let me know that no one thing makes or breaks you in any business. It just comes down to doing something every day that you don't hate. And to me, that's what success is. It's uh I don't care if I live in a cardboard box. If I can buy my groceries telling jokes, I'm a success. So who do you know in your life that's living like that? Um, well, I don't know anybody in a cardboard box. But but, but who <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Who, I don't do frequent Tent City, believe it or not. Um my God, it's really hard to pinpoint, but um, I guess the the people that I've looked up to most 
when it comes to comedy actually aren't comics outside of George Carlin, who's my hero. <laughs> um, but like my influences come from charisma to me. If you watch Muhammad Ali or Freddie Mercury or Michael Jackson or the rock, Chris, Freddie Mercury was a singer in a band. Queen. <laughs> Oh! Meg, I love you. That was a <laughs> man. I knew oh, who he was. Oh, did you? Good for you. I did. <laughs> but it's like you're watching those guys, and you're like, all of these people have more charisma in their pinky finger than I have in my whole body. And that's what I was always drawn to is just just watching someone just command a crowd like that. Like where they could just say nothing. They don't have to say a word. They can just look around and strike a pose and the crowd's going crazy. And that's what I love. And that's what I'm drawn to. And that model throughout my life has either blessed or cursed. My son, my 19 year old son is a professional wrestler. I love it. Yeah. And so when he came to me and told me that's what he wanted to do, I was fucked. Like, <laughs> he, he's been watching if me. I do what I love to do. Yeah. He's been watching me tell jokes for a living his entire <laughs> life. And so the last thing I could do is be like, well, that's stupid. That's so unrealistic. No, you need to go to Wells Fargo and get benefits. Like, I, <laughs> I couldn't say any of that shit. Community? Right, right. I couldn't say shit. So all I could do was say, Listen, man, it's going to take more hard work and sacrifice than you ever thought. Like, I know what you saw on TV and I know what you thought it was going to be, but it's not going to be that. And somehow he managed to pick the one thing that's harder than what I picked. Because <laughs> at least for, you know, however many years I would drive 12 hours to make 100 bucks. Mm -hmm. This dude's going to drive however many hours to make 40 bucks and have bruised ribs and shit. Yeah. Like... <laughs> But he's really good at it, and I'm really proud of him. It's the happiest I've ever seen him. So, I don't know. It's it just so maybe, success to me is just doing what makes you happy. Answer. Maybe, maybe he is. Your answer. Your yeah. answer. Just do what makes you happy. That's what success is. If you're just doing what makes you happy and not letting anyone or anything derail you from that. Well, on that note, uh, I do <laughs> think we should be wrapping things up here. Um, Chris, you're gonna have fun editing this one. Um, but, uh, Good luck, Chris. I'm just sorry. let it ride, Chris. Yeah, just let it ride. Do not. <laughs> um, but no, I, guys, I really want to thank you, uh, Meg. You're as charming in, in real life as you are on Twitter. Oh, bless your heart. Thank you, Bill. I hope sometime I get to see you when you're funny. Um, I think <laughs> that would be great. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, seriously, I, I appreciate when you're it. actually funny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I appreciate <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate you guys coming on and, and chatting with us and, and going down 17,000 rabbit holes. Um, <laughs> it was it, very fun. It was very authentic. Everything very was a fun. blast. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we will see uh, what this turns into, but we are, are very, very grateful uh, Chris, anything you want to say before I sign us off? No, we're past my bedtime. We got to go. 
All right. Well, <laughs> once again, you guys have wasted another, I don't know, two, three hours. Uh, two and yeah. a half, two hours and 40 minutes. Oh, no. Yo, my goodness. You've, you've wasted, you guys have wasted a lot of time uh, with us on Old Man Strength, and we thank you very much for that. Please go ahead and check us out at the Tailgate Society once again at thetailgatesociety.com. You can find us on Twitter at strength underscore old. Do you guys want to give any Twitter or social media shout outs? Just uh, Facebook, Facebook backslash Bill Blank, Bill Blank one on Twitter, uh, Instagram and Snapchat are for chicks and teenagers. So I'm really not active on either, either one of those. All right. Well, I guess with that, uh, we will see you guys next yes. time. No, very much love. And in the immortal words of Michael Jordan, uh, Cyclone fans like jokes too. So. <laughs> I'm perfectly okay <laughs> hanging out with my cyclone brethren. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, honestly, if you're out somewhere else in the country, you see a guy with a Hawkeye hat or you see a guy with a cyclone hat, we go, hey, what's up? We know we're Iowans <laughs> in that moment. Absolutely. And I we'll always fight say, later. go cyclones. Yeah, go Hawks. <laughs> Fuck all you motherfuckers. I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get on the bandwagon I'll burn that wagon down and join the band Traveling troubadours terrorizing street corners Just to try to get some supper in our hands Now I waited all my life to get this off my chest Green buddy murder until someone understands That it ain't about the money, the drugs, or the women I make this noise just because I can And we'll all join in that original sin